If you are sitting at home next to your radio, you're hearing the music faster than you are if you're in the hall. Listening for the secret. Searching for the sound. This is The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman.
You've been listening to Stank Eye from the Magic Bean's recently released album, Unzipped. There's something magical brewing in the state of Colorado, and much of it has to do with the emergence of the Magic Beans. We featured their music before, but with the release of their latest record, Unzipped, I'd like to suggest that this band has organically determined a fresh way to make music that, unbelievably, isn't that fresh at all. For Unzipped, the band shed much of what they've done in the past to create music, and instead opted for a very lo-fi analog approach. For Unzipped, the band shed much of what they've done in the past to create music, and instead opted for a very lo-fi analog approach. The results of those efforts are 10 wonderfully eclectic instrumentals that stay true to the Magic Bean sound while offering up more by doing less. I caught up with frontman and guitarist Scott Hatchie to discuss Unzipped, the band's fourth studio album, and much more. You know, we have a lot of people who listen to the show and are huge Magic Bean fans. And uh, we play you sometimes on uh, Live 5, which is our, our Wednesday show, where we recap the goings-on in, in, in the world, um, thanks to Nugs.net. And um, we thought it would be appropriate to talk to you about Unzipped because it's a departure in a, in a good way, I think, um, from, from the regular Magic Beans sitch as it were what 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 inspired the decision to make an instrumental record oh man so this was definitely like the least um like preemptively planned out record we've ever done you know what i mean this is it's a departure in in a lot of ways not just musically but like it's kind of departure in like our usual workflow and stuff um where it's like usually we're like got a big plan for the record we're like all right everyone write some songs we'll get together and write some songs together all this stuff uh planning for this record um and this one like basically where we play in here in my house uh we've, we've built up a pretty good like studio setup that's that's pretty high quality honestly at this point like with the microphones we have and all the the ways we can get that into my computer and stuff are so we just kind of started making the music without any plan for it, uh, just for fun. And and then it kind of turned into like, we should do make this like a whole project, kind of like a mixtape of beats and like lo-fi vibes to study to, to drive to. And and that's like the idea of the album, basically. Yeah, and and I guess it does speak to that whole idea of just getting in a room and jamming. Like how much of this was totally improvised versus stuff written down i mean when you when you go in and like you said you plan with demos and you overdub those demos and then you go into the studio and then you perform and then you overdub on the performance but this seems like it's very authentic in its approach to just playing so how much of this was just playing and, and improvised yeah i the the approach to making the music was very, very close to improvisation. Um, a lot of these songs, all, all, maybe all of them, didn't didn't have anything planned going into it. There was no demo. There was no, um, you know, anything usually. And and that was part of the process was getting in, and and jamming, and then also just like you know, if people had cool ideas they're like oh we've done this chord progression in a jam before live or i just play this at home and i loop over it and i love this chords and then we just started building you know like some legos and and so it is close to improvisation and we tried not to overwork the dough is kind of the analogy i've used to to leave it like 
tender and and give it that loose vibe you know i think if we would have tried to overproduce the the songs and overcompose them it would have lost the like natural feel that we were going for so it is it's like it's a departure from jamming but it's also in the same way like very close to jamming it's like if we if we could jam and like stop jamming for a second and freeze the crowd and like talk talk out the jam just a little bit more and then come and then like unfreeze the crowd and come back in with like those hashed out ideas that's as close to a to improv as these songs are so they really are just like composed rehearsed and recorded all in one day in the studio <laughs> yeah I, I guess the pressure's on when you're using tape machines too right i mean it's so different <laughs> from using pro tools um because you're limited by the amount of either tape you have or tape you want to erase or tape you want to have access to you sort of are um committed in some way to getting the best out of yourselves without a lot of extra work does that make sense yeah oh absolutely and here's the tape machine you know behind me um <laughs> but like yeah uh, you, you're right i mean you you gotta you gotta get it down to one take you know and and there's there's not a limited amount of overdubs you can do uh, when you use that sort of record recording method and stuff. So it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's like the old school days. I mean, people don't really realize that that's, you know, they used to press record and that soundboard, like whatever was mixed going into that tape machine, like that's what you get. And right. like, there wasn't like, Oh, let's go back over and overdub individual tracks or in, or, or, do post-production like oh i'd really love if you could add a bunch of reverb and like cool phaser to this guitar track and it's like no that's already mixed with everything and it's on this tape and it's two tracks now and so it, it is an homage to the old school style i think it, it it gives it that like super heady uh open studio cat vibe which we're we really are into um i think a lot of cool stuff happens like when you put good good cats in a in a room and let them just kind of go go at it and make some music you, you know that it was also an homage to like our favorite studio musicians that create a lot of music but aren't really like famous at all they're just like the cats people call you know like tim lefebvre on bass and like larry carlton is on all these famous tracks and like all these like low-key crushers that just like go and play the pop music you hear or john mayer's backing band or something and they so it's kind of our homage to that style of music too. Um, it's not just the tape machine that was lo-fi. You guys were playing lo-fi since like analog synths and other vintage gear. Like that's, that's a trip for you guys because your music is generally um, so far advanced, especially in terms of synths and pedals and all the stuff that you guys do on stage that this is really tearing down uh, almost ripping it to shreds almost to the to the nuts and bolts of of what you're doing the studs as yeah. it were was that weird for you guys to like go go so far back uh yeah you know i i don't i wouldn't say it was weird but it, it definitely it was honestly just refreshing like i don't think i used a guitar pedal on the whole record like it's just wow. like amp tone with like my real reverb on the amp like and and stuff so and and trying to do keep things you know rugged and raw like that and use like less microphones on the drum kit like obviously you know you could put 
20 mics on a drum kit and get really like clean, crisp tone, individual drum tones, you know, and, and we do that on our regular records. But for this, it was cool to like, I have like a 1951 Italian ribbon microphone, which is like these old school thing. And I just put it over the drums and you get this like super saturated overhead sound. And then you got kick and snare in there. And that's like the sound, you know, and that's the way they used to mic kits back in the day. And so, yeah, I mean, it is, it was stripped back and it's, it's for us, it's almost refreshing. Cause I feel like there is this like pressure in the jam scene to have lots of new like toys and sounds to help push that improv forward and sound fresh and not sound just like the, the classic four piece kind of going at it, guitar solos, you know? So that's where, that's where like all those different tones that you were talking about come from in the live show is really just us trying to keep it fresh. But so it's kind of cool to just absolutely strip that back, you know, get this loose room vibe, you know, one mic on each instrument and just go at it. And what's, what's amazing is that uh, I think everybody's tone comes through in a much more deliberate way. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Um, Especially your tone, I think really comes through and, and shines with a lot of, a lot of licks and a lot of hooks on a lot of these songs, even just in Stank Eye, like you can tell that, you know, it's you playing guitar and that you have these riffs and, and because nothing is overdubbed and everything is in the moment, obviously, because you're working with tape machines, it just feels, you know, you mentioned you want to use pedals and stuff and, and sounds to keep things fresh, but sometimes doing less is almost as fresh as doing more, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, this is definitely a genre of music where I feel like my approach to guitar really shines. I think there's a lot of pressure in the jam scene to kind of when you're a guitarist to be this like, like hero, like save the jam and peek it to got, like white lights and like, like, you know, build, build, build and all of that. Build, build, build. And like, and like, I enjoy playing that way for sure. But there's like, it's, I would love if like, people were more receptive to like playing like slower melodic. Cause that's really where I feel at home. So I think like in this music, that's kind of where you, why you get to see my, my guitar shine more is, is cause that's, that's really where I feel like my voice gets, gets the most energy and, and, and where I work best. So now I'm producing or like us together are producing our records and, and we're doing it here more at home and at friends studios and stuff and not going into like big ticket studios. So there's a lot of time now for us to nitpick individually um, on these mixes and how we, I think there's a lot of like cutting corners being like, good, that's good enough. Cause we can't afford to go in and redo it. I can't afford to, to just go pay a hundred bucks to go in and overdub one solo because I think the tone should be like slightly different. But now that we have the the technology to do that, I you know, Casey can can obsess about that stuff all day before we track, you know, or he can take it home with him and 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 really like suss stuff out and we can nitpick how we want things to be because there's not that like budget and time constraint. How much of that is response to uh, the last record? So um, you know, Slice of Life came out in 2021. Um, it was the post pandemic record that y'all worked on during the pandemic or before the pandemic, how much of, is this in response to that, 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's any in in response. That that actually was um, done a lot here as well. Oh, okay. That was kind of our first foray into into that, but there there was also that was like half in. It was like half doing it here, half doing it with right. other people. And this was the first like full. We didn't involve any really outside sources until we got to the mastering process, just to make sure that it sounded like really professional. I, I don't consider myself quite a mastering engineer yet but uh but um yeah so i mean it's honestly the the only way it was in response to slice of life is that we wanted to just kind of do something different i think when you're a band you you hopefully figure out your sound you know we we definitely didn't sit down and talk about what the beans were going to be you know i think some bands maybe get together i don't know if they do but some some bands maybe get together and they're like all right this is what we are we're like a prog approach to jam or we're like the funk approach with like a side of this and and like we never did that we've been a band for so long and started when we were like so young that we just like played and then whatever came out became the magic beans but eventually you like hone in on a sound and then each record you try to like make it better and you yeah. try to mature that sound or you're like a blacksmith you're like hammering away and you're honing this blade that is your sound and and hopefully you're getting better um but it was kind of cool to like okay take that idea and put it on the side and be like what if we were just like a new band right now and we're going to go in and just start from scratch and do like a different sound and and that's basically the idea and why it was super fun to just like not be like oh well this doesn't really sound like magic beans can we not play it and it's like well fuck that you know we should just play whatever we want and this is something that was really coming natural to us so it's like when you're an artist i think you learn to not fight that kind of stuff inspiration and things that happen naturally i think there's especially when you become a professional artist there's things that take the reins other than just like a natural inspiration or you do stuff because like that's how album cycles work and oh we should think about what the single on the song is going to be and that's all well and good but it's cool to definitely just like take a step back and be like we're not even going to sing on this one this one sounds cool it's a it's a chill vibe you can put it on when you're like driving your car you're on the boat and like no one's yelling at you and telling you what to think through the music. You can just like chill. And like, that's a lot of the music we listen to now, yeah. you know, driving across the country and, and stuff is, is just stuff that kind of helps pass the time and soothes your mind more than like being too cerebral where, where you're actively listening. I, I kind of enjoy passive listening music personally. I don't think it's like an insult to the music to say that like, I'm only sort of listening, you know, I think it's, that's a beauty to, to some music. This album could easily, uh, you could easily put the heads up probably. Well, there are, I don't know if there are heads because it wasn't mixed in pro tools. Uh, but you could in theory, uh, give this out for re- like it's rife for potential remixes or, you know, other stuff even even people rapping over some with some bars like it's it has that hip-hop feel a lot like lettuce records i think it, it, it's very similar in that way um is that something that you're considering doing with this is that something that maybe based on this you'll do next go around like Absolutely. where do you go from here is the question yeah yeah um well to be clear we we did do a lot of the recording 
starting multi-track into um, Pro Tools. Okay. And then one thing you can do, which I'm actually going to do a TikTok video and, and Instagram reel about, is how to take things from the computer and then put them through the reel-to-reel after the fact to give them the color yeah. or summing quality, they'll say. You can like sum several instruments into a bus and then send it through there and give it like this color of the tape machine, put it back into the computer and mix it with what you got there. Yeah. So we actually do have a lot of individual stems um, available. Our hope is to actually put out the stems and maybe even have people remix it and then do a like re-zipped re-release of the record of all remixes. I actually have already remixed one of the songs myself. Um with like horns and vocals and stuff like that. Cause that's what I heard over it. I'd love rapping. If anyone's listening to this, please reach out. If you feel inspired by any of the songs to create uh, with them, I'll send you stems, DM us on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I'll hook you up, but you might. And, and then if it's good, you might even make it on this rezipped album that I really want to do. I think it'd be fun and cool. And that's totally in the spirit of the music that we're attributing, you know what I mean? Yeah. We That's totally how we see it, man. If someone could flip this and put on an MPC, that would make my, my fucking day. That'd be great. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned people like Jay Dilla and Timbaland and, and those producers. So it makes a lot of sense that that's not necessarily the inspiration, but, but sort of where your heads were at when you, when you came up with this, this record and the way of doing things. I know the record's been out for about a week now, but people have heard some of it and you've been playing some of it live. What's the reaction been to, to some of these new tunes because they're instrumentals, which is a bit of a departure. Well, it's a huge departure um, for, for the fans. What's been the reaction? We've only played them a couple times. Um, I think we, and we've stuck with stank guy. We've done a few times. So people are familiar with the song. So I think they're excited to hear it. I've, you know, but We'll see. It's it's this music is interesting where it's it's going to be hard to. We'll see where it ends up in the live show, um, you know, it's because it is like l- low energy. I don't want to say low energy, but it's like down tempo, you know, I, like I don't know, like sometimes that doesn't like if you have an hour set at, at a festival, I don't right. know if that's that song really is what the vibe is, but any two set show I would like to to fit this stuff in. I think we see it as like a, a bridge, a, a, a jam bridge. We could jam, find the head of that song, that groove, play it for a little bit and be like, all right, can it. And then move into the next song. You know, that's really how we see the songs working best. It's interesting that you mentioned the live situation because, um, and the, and the horns from the previous conversation about the remix, because you're on the road, you play these festivals and invariably there are horns around um and so is that you know is that some an opportunity too when you're when you're live at a festival that you would invite either fellow Coloradians into into the mix um or or other people that you see you know there used to be this thing the turquoise horns would always show up or or uh you know um the guys from lettuce would show up like like is that a possibility for you for you guys in a live setting I mean, we love the horn sit and we actually were all about it. Yeah. I think it's, I think our music fits it. I know a lot of people, like I was just on the Goose uh, podcast, Great Beyond, and, and they were talking about how some of them don't really prefer 
horns in like a jam band setting and i can get that like it, it can kind of throw off the approach but i think our our music has such like a backbone of funk right. and like stuff that there's really like more of a backbeat for the horn player to it's more like in their wheelhouse so yeah. i think it really fits our music we, it, all our all our records have horns on them we have at least two or three songs per record that sure. have horns on them because we love that so much um so we're all about the horns. If anyone's listening, Magic Beans are all about the horns. <laughs> Definitely holler at your boy if we pass through your town and you got chops. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Goose because you guys have been at this for a while. And then you see a band like Goose Emerge, who really have been at this mm, five years, maybe, maybe. And, and, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of camaraderie in the jam band community amongst, uh, amongst the musicians, but it must be really something to see these young guys like rise out of almost nowhere to the acclaim and well-deserved acclaim that they've, they've received. Like, like yeah. how cool is that for you guys to see the, 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 the kids carrying on the tradition? It's very cool. Um, I definitely have an interesting, just like experience with goose where I had heard about them through my buddy, Patty, who plays with cycles and they had, Goose was like opening for them at that point on on the road and he was like they're pretty good man you should bring them to Beanstalk so I did in 2019 and you know they played up on the deck like the side stage deck it's and they played you know the tweener sets and stuff 30 yeah. minutes you know they were they're at the bottom of the lineup and and that was 2019 yeah 2019 and then like my next time seeing them was 2021 sold out Denver sculpture garden, like six, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, last time I had even seen these guys in person, they were just up at the deck at Beanstalk. So, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I think, I think it's pretty freaking cool. It definitely gives, you know, hope that there's like people still out there that, that are listening to this style of music. Cause there is, there was like a gap of, you know, enthusiasm or sometimes it seems like maybe all the enthusiasm was for the, older cats fish and and umphreys and here they are you know doing three night runs at red rocks and fish is doing bringing sixty thousand people or whatever it is to fish sticks but for some reason some of these jam bands can barely bring a thousand people to a show i'm like well what are all these people doing fish isn't playing yeah you guys don't the jam bands so it's kind of cool to see like people be like well this band okay and and like see them actually fill up like real venues and and you know Obviously, everyone's trying to avoid the jam band moniker, but with different things, and Goose is, does a good job of that, and, and more power to them because because there's all these connotations people choose to attach to the genre. But but they are a jam band, and they're out there making you know waves for us, and hopefully you know our hope is that new kids that get turned on to that music through Goose will will hear about the Magic Beans, and hopefully it's just good for everyone that that attention's coming back to the scene. What about the scene in Colorado? It's it's always been this this uh, best kept secret, I want to say, but it's it's real. I mean, the hype. You know, we, we always think of New York or or Vermont or you know even San, the San Francisco scene, even the the like the new scene in San Francisco. I'm not talking about the original, uh, obviously, scene in San Francisco, but but Colorado has this this scene and it's not just you know what you would think is like you know granola uh bluegrass music you know it's not just string cheese anymore it's it's 
it's you guys, it's Lettuce, it's a, it's a whole bunch of really great bands. Um, um, you know, what, what is it about Colorado uh, and, and the music that people are making there um, now um, more, more than ever, um, especially the jam band scene? What, what, what is it about the water in Colorado? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many factors. I think uh, you definitely have to attribute the early local bands um, of Colorado. And when I say local, I, I mean, at that point, maybe in the early thousands, Yonder Mountain String Band, String Cheese, Leftover Salmon, um, you know, Motet starting around that period, um, all these great bands. And uh, they, they like created a culture of like music enthusiasts like Colorado people in general like like music I think if you were to pull someone off the street randomly and be like when's the last time you, you saw a show they would say within the month whereas I feel like in other places they'd be like well I saw Kenny Chesney two years ago and it was the best concert I ever saw you know and it's like people go see music on a weekly monthly basis here like normal people that's why Red Rocks is 9,000 people and and it's sold out every weekend it's right. just like people oh and so i think that they created that culture and now and now because of that you're seeing a lot of the big ticket blue chip bands from outside of colorado like king gizzard and and rufus to soul and all these huge bands coming and now they're making it a big like two night three night run stop because they're like these people love music and and we come out and we sell tickets and and um and then it created a culture of, of, I think, bar gigs that, that also are well attended. And, and I think that's why you saw a migration of people like players from Lettuce, from Turquoise, from all these DJ Williams, all these great world-class players coming, leaving their hometowns to come to Denver because they can gig every week in between their Lettuce gigs and their other big touring gigs. And they can be an actual full-time musician and it's not as like cutthroat as I feel like maybe LA and New York is. And, and, and honestly, it's more fun. It's just like a lighter vibe out here. I I've had a lot of the, the big cats tell me that, you know, Deitch and DJ and how competitive it can get in these, you know, big, big cities and how the energy is just not fun and, and, and stuff. So I think that that is a big Testament to it. And, but, you know, I, I would like to say that, um, it's also like a place for people to get like a stamp of approval. Now I feel, especially within the jam scene, I noticed it's, we were talking about this on the, on the other podcast the other day too, how like East coast bands, like, like when they get the Colorado stamp of approval, they like grow exponentially out East. It's like this wild thing where they're like yeah. kind of doing okay there. And then they come out and like sell out Cervantes other side. And all of a sudden it's like, they return to the East and yeah. they're like bigger because they did good in another state. It's like weird where it's like where, uh, people here are almost tastemakers where it's like, oh, Colorado likes them. Well, we like them now. It's, I think it's, <laughs> just, it's interesting you say that because I think it's the same thing for West Coast bands too. Like West Coast bands, you always hear about, we got to make it to Colorado. Like this tour has to go East. And by East, we don't necessarily mean all the way East. We mean to Denver. Like that. that seems to be you know, and it's not just Denver, it's Denver and Boulder and, you know, all of these places, because it just seems you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is, it is kind of like a stamp of approval at this point. And even fish had it. I mean, before fish 
you know, fish plays dicks and whatever, like that's a big deal. And, and it's a big deal because, and everybody knows, you know, first weekend in September, it's a big deal to go to dicks yeah. and like, and so on for fish, man, like when they were a band, like the magic beans, they were only playing, you know, Boston and, and up in the real Northeast. And then they decided to skip Ohio. Yeah. Iowa, Indiana, and they went straight to Colorado. Even back in the 80s and 90s, there's like some weird thing about Colorado where people want like their the Colorado stamp of approval, man. It's like, it's cool. I love it. I think we get a lot of great music because of it. Like we always joke, like in Colorado, band tours you. Yeah. Like you, everyone just, I don't have to follow bands around the country. Everyone just comes here and like, we're so lucky for that. And and people always play their best shows here because they're trying to like impress the color. I, th I think too, it, 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 the experience probably colors the music that you play because you have, you know, the funk side and you have, you know, color red records and you have, and you have the bluegrass tradition, which is, you know, Telluride and, and all of that. Like, like a band like you guys sort of dabble in, in everything because yeah. it's just natural. You have to, it's what you guys hear on a day-to-day -day basis right so right man it's the rocky mountain sound and people have brought that up they like thought like to speak what i was saying earlier they thought we got in a room and like we're like we we want to sound like string cheese that's why we're going to do funk and we're going to do bluegrass and it's like it just happened man like i like writing bluegrass songs and i like writing funk music and we we just tried to make it one thing it, like it really is just a, it amalgamation of the music yeah. out here and, and we're turned on to so much and we're, we're so bad at saying no to stuff that we just like turned into this band that does a bunch of different genres uh you're out on the road again obviously uh playing some of this music from the new record not sure how much or how um Fun. you're psyched obviously i mean you're a band who's been cooped up for the last couple of years you must be psyched to to be out on the road right I mean, we, we've been playing more than most, in, in all honesty. We yeah. were very lucky during the pandemic, you know, to just go back to the last thing about Colorado. Like, it was the first area to figure out, like, low capacity playing and, like, how to keep the music going because of how music-driven the area is. So we were lucky all during pandemic we were playing not real shows, but you're right. I mean, to get back at in the van and do the real thing, it's awesome, man. We We love playing gigs. That's, like, what we live for and that's like the true beast that is magic beans and and we got a lot of multiple night runs coming up and some big festivals and small festivals which are even better than big festivals and yeah we're excited to get out there and we've been honing our craft a lot playing a bunch and we think we're sounding better than ever so we're kind of we've been calling it the year of the bean we're out there we're kind of on to make a statement this year and we're going to send it so everyone come see the beans out on the road <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dude, thanks so much for ta taking the time. Uh, I appreciate uh, the conversation. I appreciate the tunes, obviously, and uh, continued success. And then I, you know, I hope good things are around, even better things are around the corner, man. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. It's all good. Thanks. I appreciate you, Ira. For tour dates and more, visit magicbeans.com. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe and don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Before we leave you, let's listen to another track off of Unzipped. Here is 90s Kid.
You've been listening to The Sound Podcast. Technical production by Adam Karsh and Andrea Ruse. Inspired by the music we love. For more, visit thesoundpodcast.com.